they've been married for 30 years. He's a pioneer of Catholic lay evangelization, and she has a master's degree in theology. Put on the coffee and get ready to open the scriptures. It's time for Bible with the Barbers. Now, here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome. Yeah, I'm saying welcome, Mary. And I, this is my second week with you in a row. I'm so honored after 33 years of marriage that I can still be with you on your on the Bible with the Barbers. Mary, I just have to say something to our listeners. We just came, we just had lunch, both of us together. We had a great lunch, and I said, Mary, I just like being with you. <laughs> she mm-hmm. says, I do, I do, right back at you. It's mutual. Yeah, it's, and it's, it's awesome, because what do we talk about? Oh, hey, Cardinal Seurat said this. Oh, did you hear what Pope Pius X said? So it's all about our faith, and something that really got me was something that Bishop Joseph Strickland, who has a, a weekly show called the Bishop Strickland Hour, he tweeted this. And with nobody as taking accountability of saying, this is my statement, I want to say, wow, because he said this, God is not going to rewrite the Bible for your generation. Stop trying to change scripture when it's written to change you. And I thought, this is a great statement for our time, because let's be honest, we have influences inside the church and outside the church that say, Hey, the Bible was an old document. It needs updating. <laughs> As if God needed updating. Huh? Give he, me a break. He didn't I, know what he was about when he was creating the world, and he didn't know what we were going to do. Oh and my it's gosh. all a big mystery to him, and everything's unfolding, and oh my gosh, so many surprises God is getting. Oh my yeah. heavens. Well, it's, we're, re, we're actually pre-recording this show. Yes. On November the 1st, the Feast of All Saints. I love it. But we want to do this show on great... Uh, people, especially there's most of them are going to be men, I guess, but it depends on how much we get to in the old and new Testament Yes, who have, I mean, the questions are this, um, has there ever been a time when, uh, the political governments were corrupt ah! and persecuting the people and trying them to get to do evil? Was there ever a time when the, the governance of the church was corrupt yep. and persecuting the people and trying them to get them to do evil? Was there ever a time when good men had to sacrifice their lives and their fortunes and um, their friendships and and everything that meant anything to them, Mm -hmm. their families, in order to witness to the truth that God had revealed? Yeah. I don't know. Has that ever happened before? Oh, maybe once or twice. Or is this just the first time in history when we've had these things coming up? And so the question is, how do we respond? How do we act in this time that we're living, you know, God made us for this time mm-hmm. and he's given to each one of us a mission. That's right. We have a mission from God to accomplish That's right. in the building up of his kingdom, in the glorifying of his name, in the doing of his will here on earth. And so this is what we want to talk about today. We want to talk about some great men and women from the Old Testament, if we get a chance, both who have done this, who have stood up to kings and even to religious leaders yes. of their time. Yes. I Just a teaser, St. Catherine of Siena actually <laughs> persuaded one of the popes to move back to Rome. And uh, she made some really strong statements to the Holy Father. And, you know, the thing about it is, Mary, and I just want to quote this, and we're going to get into the scriptures, but the fact is St. Thomas Aquinas, a doctor of the church and his Summa Theologica, said that, we have a moral obligation, lay people, anyone, when you see even someone in authority scandalizing the faithful, 
then you have to address the authority, even at the highest level, to say, wait a minute, excuse me, with all due respect, that's not what the Catholic Church teaches, and I would highly recommend and due respect not to teach this because that's not in line with the perennial teachings of the Church. And I say that because St. Thomas tells us that. But Mary, before you get into some scripture, can we have a definition of a saint since this is All Saints Day, right out of the Catechism of the Catholic Church? Because I want to give this to people. This is paragraph 1024. Absolutely. Go for it. It says, The perfect life with the most holy Trinity, this communion of life and love with the Trinity, with the Virgin Mary, the angels, and all the blessed, is called heaven. Yay, yay, team. Heaven is the ultimate end and fulfillment of our deepest human longings, the state of supreme uh, definitive happiness. Why do I say that, Mary? You know what? When I married you, you were I was so happy and I'm still happy married to you, but you know what? You don't even heaven is so much better <laughs> than our marriage and which is a marriage is great. I get that. But we're talking about all eternity being with God. That's our goal. And that's what our marriage is all about. Right. And the reality is is we were made for union with God. Mm-hmm. This is what being a saint means, living in union with God. Well said. Because in heaven, that's what we're doing. We're living in union exactly. with God. Exactly. Exactly. And, and God wants to accomplish this in us. He's called us to be saints. And this is what we were made for. And there's no happiness on this earth that can fulfill our desire because our desires are for an eternal happiness, an infinite happiness. And that can only be fulfilled in union with God. Amen, girl. Hey, uh, one more quick note, Mary. I just, uh, this uh, Ezekiel chapter 3, verse 18 and 19, you said how throughout history this has happened. And I don't know when Ezekiel was written, but how many hundreds of years before the time of Christ. But this, par- this uh, Ezekiel chapter 3 says it all. If I say to the wicked, you shall surely die, and you give him no warning nor speak to warn the wicked from his wicked ways in order to save his life, that wicked man shall die in his iniquity. But his blood I will require at your hand. And then 19, paragraph, uh, section 19 says, But if you warn the wicked, and he does not turn from his wickedness or from his wicked ways, he shall die in his iniquity. But you will have saved your life. So what I'm saying is scripture saying that this is happening, but we actually have a moral obligation to speak the truth in charity. And I think, you know, there's another revelation later in the show, book of Revelation, it says something similar. Continue, please. Okay, so I want to look first at Numbers 13 and 14. Okay. In Numbers 13 and 14, you have the story of finally the Israelites, they've left Egypt. Yes. After, remember the Exodus, and then they've left Egypt. Now they've arrived at the Holy Land. Mm-hmm. And so they're at, the, they're at the Jordan there, and they just have to cross the Jordan and go in and take the Holy Land. And the Lord has told them that, that they can do this. He will fight for them. Uh-huh. And so Moses chooses 12 men to go reconnoiter the land. Awesome. Uh, one man from each of the tribes... Mm-hmm who was a leader within that tribe, who was considered a leader within that tribe, had to be the head of a family and was a leader within that tribe. Yes. And so they go, and for 40 days, they go and reconnoitre the land. Mm-hmm. And they find, sure enough, that the, the land is flowing with milk and honey. I mean, it's, it's fruitful. They bring back the pomegranates. They bring back grapes. They, men have to, two men have to carry the bunches of grapes. They're so large. <laughs> oh, my They're goodness. growing on the vines. Yeah. But they come back, and 10 of those men had decided that 
no, these men are too big for us to take on. They're, 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 supposedly there was a race called the Anakim who were giants. Yeah. And they had seen these men. They're very large. Goliath probably came mm-hmm. from that. And um, they're like, well, how can we fight them? What can we do? But Caleb and Joshua were two of the men who went. And Caleb says, he says, no, we can do this. The Lord has promised. The Lord promised he would fight the battle for us if we were faithful. And I want you to read um, Numbers 13 and 14 because I can't read the whole thing here. We don't have the time. But and so he tries to encourage the people. He tries to encourage the people. But the people get upset and they listen to the other 10 men who say, no, 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 no. (laughs) Caleb is just making things up and blah, 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 blah. And so they grumble. They grumble against Moses and they grumble against God. Uh, They start grumbling against God. Yes. And it's like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. And so God says, okay, fine. This is what you want. Well, here's the deal. I sent you what Caleb's Caleb's whole point was, was look, the Lord promised that he would do this. Mm-hmm. The Lord promised, he quieted the people. He said, let us go up at once and occupy it for we are well able to overcome it. And, but the other people said, no, we're not able. We're not able. But Caleb keeps trying. Caleb and Joshua are saying, no, God promised. Are we going to believe the Lord or not? And this is the question each of us has to ask. Right. Am I going to trust in the Lord and his promises or am I going to look at the world around me and say, no, I cannot resist the temptations of the world? Well, if you want to know, I'm going to give you part of the story. And I want you to read the whole story. In chapter 14, you know, Caleb and Joshua are trying to get these men to go. And they're trying to say, look, um, sure, you know, these men. But if the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into the land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land, for they are bread for us. Their protection is removed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. That's in chapter 14. Well, the people say, let's stone these two, Joshua and Caleb. Let's stone them to death. You know, (laughs) God intervenes, and the glory of the Lord appears at the meeting tent, and the people are like, oh, oh no, Um, (laughs) God showed up. Um." So God says, you know, what happens is the other 10 spies die. Mm Mm-hmm. He tells Moses what he needs to do. He says, look, Moses, you're going to take the people back out into the wilderness, but you're not going to go through the land of Canaan. You're not going to go up into the mountains here and go against the Canaanites because they will take you because the people have grumbled against me and I'm going to abandon you. So you're going to have to go back out into the, into the wilderness. And every man over the age of 20 will die in the desert and he won't get a chance to go into the land mm. except for Caleb and Joshua, whose families will be protected because they trusted in me and they believed in me. Well, that's a powerful message. And, and so the other 10 spies that night are given a plague by God and they die. Mm. And then the people are like, oh, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no, we were wrong. We shouldn't have done that. They said, oh, quick, let's go up into the, the hills here and take the Canaanites. And, and Moses said, no, God already told you not to do that. He told you to go the other way. Listen and obey. But they don't. So some of the people go up. Some of the men go up into the, into the mountains to, to, to take on the, the Canaanites and the um, Amalekites. And um, not a very happy ending for him. Well, that's a good place to stop from our quick break on the Bible with the Barbers on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. We'll be back with more (coughs) scripture and more teachings that help us get to heaven because this is All Saints Day today. And we're all called to be saints. What else is there? Stay with us, family, here on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. 
Bible with the Martyrs. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome. Welcome back to Bible with the Barbers. This show is going to be broadcast on Friday, November the 4th, but we are actually pre-recording it on Tuesday, November the 1st, the Feast of All Saints. Amen. But we're talking about fidelity to the Lord and how... Brave men and women in the Old Testament were faithful to the Lord, even when they had to stand against rulers and princes and the entire nation. And so the first example we gave was Numbers 13 and 14. Mm-hmm. Joshua and Caleb have you know, gone with the spies into the land of, uh, to, to, to reconnoitre the land of Israel, which would be eventually the land of Israel. And um, after their deliverance from Egypt and the spies... Ten of the spies, there were 12 spies sent. Joshua and Caleb were two of them. Ten of them spread, spread discouraging reports. We can't take the lead. Joshua and Caleb said, look, the Lord has promised. The Lord said he will fight for us. Let us trust in the Lord and go. And they won't do it. As a matter of fact, they threatened to stone Joshua and Caleb. And then the Lord comes down on the meeting tent and the people get a little bit afraid and things happen. And so what happens is some of the people decide when they see that the 10 spies who had spread discouraging reports die Mm -hmm. of a plague that night, they say, Oh my gosh, we have offended the Lord. We better go up and take the hill country. And Moses warns them, no, you don't do this. God is not with you right now. We need to do what God said. We're Mm -hmm. going back out into the wilderness by another route. And instead some of the men won't listen and they go up and they, they don't, they don't take the hill country. They get destroyed. And so eventually the, the people have to go out. But the thing is Joshua and Caleb, in the face of all this, mm-hmm. and, and God, God, again, he, you know, I don't know if you remember, but several times on, as they come out of Egypt and they rebel against the Lord, God speaks of exterminating the people. And again, here, God speaks of exterminating the people. And Moses pleads for the people. So God doesn't want to destroy us. He doesn't want us to die in our sins. God had formed Moses to be an intercessor on behalf of the Israelites. And God had formed the heart of Moses. And he knew that Moses would intercede. And he knew that he wasn't going to destroy the people. But he wanted to make Moses more meek and more humble. Moses Mm -hmm. was the meekest man on earth, the Bible says about him. So Joshua and Caleb say, we can do this. And the people say, we can't. And so back out into the wilderness. And sure enough, just as God said, with the exception of the family, with the exception of Joshua and Caleb and their families, Every man over the age of 20 who left Egypt mm-hmm. in the Exodus died before they got into the, before they crossed the Jordan and took the land of Israel because they had rebelled against God. And, and God, yes, he does punish. Yes. God loves us. But remember, in God, mercy and justice are one attribute. They're not separate. That's a good point. So then we have the book of Daniel. And what happens in Daniel? I don't know if you remember the story, but Daniel... Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah were a noblemen from Judah. And when they were carried off by King Nebuchadnezzar into Babylon. Mm-hmm. And they become um, wise men within the kingdom because they're wise. And read the book of Daniel, but especially in, in um, you have Daniel 2, where the, the king has a dream. And Daniel's gift from God was to be able to interpret dreams. And the king calls all of his wise men together. And he says, I want you to tell me the dream and the interpretation. His wise men are like, no, 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 no. You have to tell us the dream. And Nebuchadnezzar's like, no, because you've already agreed among yourselves that you're going to make up some interpretation and lie to me. 
And so, so he orders that all the wise men in the kingdom be, be killed. And Daniel hears about it and he says, look, um, ask the king to give me time to pray and then I will ask the Lord to reveal to me the mystery. And so the king, okay, so the king does. And then Daniel comes into the king and he tells the king, he says, no, it's not me. It's not my wisdom. The God of heaven, there is a God who made heaven and earth and everything that there is. And he has given me the answer. That's in Daniel too. And it, it's the, the one about the, where Nebuchadnezzar in his dream saw this statue that was made out of different materials and how a stone that is hewn from a mountain without a hand being put to it hits the foot of the statue and destroys the whole thing. And it's all the earthly kingdoms that had been built up in the Old Testament, and Christ is the stone that's hewn out of the mountain. And that's, that's the interpretation that the fathers of the church have given to this. Mm-hmm. But the point is, Daniel, he was going to die with all the wise men because he was one of the wise men. And so were Hananiah, Mishael, and, and um, Azariah. But Daniel intervenes with the grace of God because God is working in and through him because he is faithful to the Lord. In Daniel 3, you have Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The king has put up this statue that everybody's supposed to worship. And these three, now this isn't Daniel, it's Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah are the main characters here in chapter 3. And they refuse to worship the statue. But again, look at the prayers that they say. In Daniel 2, where Daniel prays to the Lord, okay, his prayer of thanks to the Lord for revealing to him the mystery, Daniel 2 20 through 23. Mm-hmm. And then you have in Daniel 3, you have Daniel 3, 1 through 23, and then you have an interruption. You have a whole insert, which many Protestant Bibles don't have possibly because it was called one of the deuterocanonical works, one of the apocryphal works yeah. that was in the Septuagint, right. but wasn't in the Hebrew text. And so they rejected it. Mm-hmm. But our Lord quotes from the Septuagint. He does. So the church has always accepted the Septuagint. So from you have 68 verses inserted into Daniel 3. And those 68 verses are the prayer of Ananiah, Azariah, and Mishael in the furnace. And it's so beautiful because, again, they don't exonerate themselves. They don't say, oh, we weren't guilty. We didn't abandon you. They say, Lord, all of us, they, they, they identify themselves with their people. Yeah. But again, they haven't abandoned the Lord. And because they haven't abandoned the Lord, remember the story. God sends his angel to protect them in the furnace. And they aren't killed. They don't kill in the, in the fire. And then you have in Daniel 6, where again, there were, Daniel prayed three times a day. He prayed the regular prayers three times a day. And there were some men who didn't like him. And this is under Darius. Now, Nebuchadnezzar has died and Daniel's still there. So this is under Darius. And he, they get, they trick these men who hate Daniel, trick Darius into writing a command that no one can make a petition to any man or any God except Darius for 30 days, knowing that Daniel will pray. And sure enough, Daniel, Daniel knows that Darius has signed this decree. He still goes to his room. He still prays. And these men spy on him and they catch him. And then they call King Darius. Ah, Darius, come on, this guy. And Darius likes Daniel. Yeah. And he doesn't want to kill Daniel. And so he tries to figure out a way that he doesn't have to follow in on this decree. And they're like, no, you're the king. And if you don't follow up on this decree, nobody's going to obey you in anything. Mm-hmm. So he says, okay. And he says, Daniel, if your God can save you, let him save you. And, and, and sure enough, they throw him into the lion's den. And Darius comes back in the morning and he says, Daniel, was your God able to save you? And he says, yes, king. I am alive. My God has saved me from the mouth of the lions because I was faithful. Mm-hmm. And again, here is the key. 
fidelity to the Lord and absolute trust in him. Yeah. I'm not going to compromise. When they tell me I have to fall down and worship the statue, I'm not going to do it. You know, Mary, let me jump in because this is so appropriate for our own time where fear is running our culture right now. Amen. Fear from COVID, fear from the government, fear from World War III. And I think what you're communicating for me is that we need to put our trust in God and do our daily duty and not worry about all these external things that are going on. Stay focused in living a holy life. Am I on to something? Amen. And, and, and it's called practice the presence of God. Amen. Remember that God is with us. And this is what Daniel did. He prayed. And so did, so did Ananiah and Mishael and Azariah. They, play, they prayed and they were faithful to God. So was Joshua and Caleb. They, they were faithful to the Lord God, and they didn't abandon him right. even when men threatened to stone them to death or throw them into a fiery furnace or throw them to lions. No, whatever. If God wants to save me, he can save me. But in, in, you know, in the case of Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah in chapter 3, when it's Nebuchadnezzar, they say, well, king, if God chooses us to, to save us, so be it. God will save us. But even if he doesn't save us, know that we're not going to worship any God but our, the God that we know is the true God. Amen. And when we know the true God, we have to trust him. And yes, he has the power to save us from the fiery furnace. He has the power to save us from the mouth of lions. He has the power to save us from men who are going to stone us. But that doesn't mean that you know, he's going to save everyone necessarily. A lot of men die as martyrs who are faithful to the Lord. You know, what, what you're saying reminds me of our friend, Father Zechariah Boutros. Right. When his brother, a priest, was murdered by Islamic terrorists, and they, they cut his throat right in front of him. And when his brother's, the priest's Bible fell to the ground, Father Zechariah was only 14 years old. He wasn't a priest yet. He picked up the Bible, and the terrorists said, you want to be next? And he had the uh, knowledge to know scripture. And he said, uh, you can't send me anywhere that God isn't. And I would say he had the presence of God. Oh, you know. big time. Big you know, time. you can't send me anywhere God isn't. And that's what we have to say to our own time. What can they do to us? They can kill us. Yes. But, you know, if we're living in the state of grace and the presence of God, so be it. And, you know, even if they take away your, our fortunes and our everything that we have to live on, you have the book of Tobit in the Old Testament. Oh, yeah, that's a good and, story. And Tobit is in, in exile up in Babylon. And, yeah. And he's not supposed to bury the dead, right? That's because right. the Jews are, the, the, what happened, that's a, <laughs> that's a, that's a long story. But Tobit isn't supposed to bury, the, the Jews are not supposed to be burying the dead. It's part of a retaliation against the Jews. Mm -hmm. The northern kingdom is in exile, and Judah is still there down in the south. And the, 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 Assyri the Assyrians, actually, I guess it's in Assyria, the Assyrians had gone down to take the southern kingdom, and Hezekiah was king at the time. And without the Assyrians raising a sword, God went through the camp and killed 185,000 wow. Assyrians in one night. And they had to go back to um, their capital, yeah. shamefaced. And so he took it, the, the king took it out on the Jews. And, and so he said, you can't bury any Jews. Well, Tobit knew that he's supposed to bury the Jews. And so he does this. And at one point he did get thrown in jail for it and everything was taken away from him. But that's okay. And then when they let him out again, they let him out of jail. He goes back to doing the same thing. I love it. And people laughed at him. His own people. Yeah. They put you in jail already. They took your fortune. And they're going to do it again. They're going to do it again. But, but read the book of Tobit. Yeah. Tobit is faithful and God does restore him. Yeah. And it's, it's a beautiful testimony to the fidelity of the Lord yeah. God. And do we trust that God is faithful? Mm. 
Or do we believe, like most people in our world, that, oh, yeah, God is in his heaven and all is right with the world. And we just get to make our own choices and we get to make up our own morality and we get to do whatever we want to do. And you know what? It's okay with God. He doesn't he really understands and he doesn't really mind whatever we do. He doesn't. (laughs) Look at the crucifix behind me. Exactly. He doesn't he doesn't mind. Why did he do this? Why did the son of God become man and die in such a fashion? If there wasn't something very real and terrible he was trying to keep us from, hell, and if there wasn't something that he wanted to prepare us for, heaven, the love of heaven, this is the greatest manifestation that there is a hell and that there is also that heaven is love. Because what other than love could, could motivate someone to suffer like this for people who make fun of him? And wow. ridicule them. Yep. And you know, Mary, one of the things I think can help with this is asking Jesus Christ every day for more faith. Amen. Because without that, your faith will not grow. Right. And faith is a gift. And if you want it, ask for it. Hope is a gift. If you want it, ask, ask for it. Charity is a gift. Ask for it. And, you know, Lord, I believe in you. Increase thou my faith. I hope in you. Increase my hope. I trust you. Strengthen my trust. I love you. Let me love you more and more. Wow. Bible with the Barbers. Talking about trust in God and much, much more when we come back here on the Bible with the Barbers. Don't forget, all these shows are podcast on our website, vmpr.org. In fact, all the shows, all of the different shows we have are there for your listeners. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, Call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome back to the Bible with the Barbers. My wife knows, doesn't know I'm going to do this to her, but she's really talking about holiness. This is All Saints Day, being a saint. And one of her favorite saints is St. Teresa of Lesseur. And she said this, You cannot be a half a saint. You must be a whole saint or no saint at all. And this is why these scripture verses you're talking about where there's no compromise for uh, the faith. In other words, you have to be faithful. So let's, what, what example are you going to give next, Mary? We're going to talk about Judith. And I don't know if you've read the book of Judith, but you should read it. And here again, Judith, the Assyrians are coming. They're, um, mm-hmm. They took the Moabites. They took all the people around Israel. They're, they're, they're ass- assaulting the land. And there is a, um, there's a, a village, Bethul, I believe is the name of the village here, if I'm saying it right. And, and the people are, you know, Holofernes, Bethulia, Bethulia, Bethulia. And uh, Holofernes is the, the, the captain or whatever, the leader of the Assyrian troops. And he, he sets out siege works around Bethulia. And he was told by the Moabites to go ahead and uh, cut off their water supply. If you cut off the water supply, the Bethulians will get thirsty. And when they're thirsty enough, they'll surrender to you. Well, sure enough, the people come and they start complaining to the leaders of the city. We have, why did you do this to us? You know, Hall of Fairness is out there. Why don't we just surrender to him and, and then we can have peace and, and we can just, just compromise and, and just be part of their culture and we just mm-hmm. give up. And, and, and so the people are thinking that the leaders of the people are actually thinking about doing this. They're, and Judith, who is a widow in the city, she's a widow, and she's, um, she hears about it and she goes to the leaders and she says, what are you thinking of doing? Do you not think that the Lord our God will defend us and take care of us if we're faithful? What do you think you're going to get by being unfaithful to the Lord? 
And she said, leave it in my hands and the Lord will help me to deliver this enemy. And he will humble you men by delivering the enemy into the hands of a woman. Wow. So Judith takes off of her widow's garb. She fasts and prays. And then she dresses up. And she goes out of the camp. Mm -hmm. And she's got her little bag, like she's going to leave. And her, her servant's with her, one servant, I think. And they go out. And she goes to the commander. She goes to Hall of Fairness. And she says, I know that the leaders of Bethulia are thinking of giving themselves over to you. And because of this, the Lord God will abandon them. Mm-hmm. And so I'm leaving. And so Hall of Fairness, Judith is extremely beautiful. He's seduced by her beauty. And so she comes, and, but she says, okay, well, I'll stay in your camp, but I have to be allowed to go out of the camp every night to pray. And so she does this for, for seven nights. She goes out every night and she prays. Mm-hmm. And then on the last night, she, gets, she, she has dinner with Hall of Fairness in his tent, and he dismisses all his servants and of course, he's he's gonna he's he thinks he's gonna seduce her. Yep. And so she, he gets drunk, and he falls asleep, and Judith kills him, and she takes his sword and cuts off his head, and she puts it in her bag, and then she and her maid, just like normal, go out of the camp and say their prayers, and only they go back to Bethulia, and they knock on the gate and they say let us in and they come in and she shows them the head of hall of fairness mm. and they hang it on their gate. And in the morning, wow. you know, hall of fairness doesn't get up and doesn't get up. And the, the guards are afraid to go in and, and check on him, his bodyguards, because he was with Judith and yeah. can't, you can't interrupt him. And, and finally they go in and there's hall of fairness and he is beheaded. Yeah. Well, his army is sent into total confusion. How could a woman do this? And then the people of Bethulia come out and they chase the Assyrians out mm-hmm. and the Ethereum, Assyrians flee. But again, Judith didn't rely on herself. She prayed, she fasted, she was faithful to the Lord. And when she heard that the people of her city, she was suffering with them. She was part of the city too. Yeah. She wasn't getting anything to drink either, anything more than anybody else. And so, but she's like, no, I'm not going to surrender to the enemies of the Lord and tell them I'm going to worship their gods. No, How, what, do you, what are we going to gain by this? Yeah. What could we possibly gain by abandoning the Lord? You remember, it reminds me of the book of Maccabees, and you have Eleazar, and Eleazar is 90 years old, and the Greeks have taken over. Remember, the Greeks had taken over, and, and they've taken over Judah, and, and uh, 90-year-old Eleazar, and his friends have given over into the Greek ways, and they're eating pork, and they're like, Eleazar, look, you're an example to the youth. Why don't you just pretend? We'll bring you some meat that's okay for you to eat. And you just pretend to eat the pork. Mm -hmm. And he says, look, I'm 90 years old. And if I make this pretense, I am going to give scandal to the youth. No, I've lived my years. I've served the Lord for 90 years. You think I'm going to change now? Absolutely not. And I think they actually put the pork in his mouth to try and force him to eat. He spits it out. And he says, no, I'm not going to do it. And then, of course, these men who had been so friendly to him become very, very vile and violent toward him. And, and he will not. And again, Judith, they, they will not. I will not abandon the Lord. I will trust in him no matter what. What gave David the, the courage to face a giant? Yeah. What gave Esther the face to go before the, the, the courage to go before the king when she hadn't been summoned, which was a death sentence? Even the queen couldn't go into the presence of the king unless she was summoned 
Queen oh. Esther, and she goes yeah. because she wasn't summoned to plead for the life of her people because her uncle told her, Esther, you're going to die with the rest of us when, when the king puts all the Jews to death because you're a Jew. You know, Mary, you're telling this Old Testament story. It reminds me, even in our, in our own day, Cardinal Manzeni in 1955 was under arrest by the communists, and they tried to uh, undermine his Catholic faith. They starved him. But on a Friday, they gave him a big steak meal. Yeah, they said, go ahead and eat. It's all yours. But they knew they were going to film it and tell the people of Hungary, hey, your primate, you know what he's doing? He's eating meat on Friday. So it would undermine the faith. But Cardinal Manzini had strong faith and told the communists he won't eat the meat, even though he was starving to eat meat, to eat anything. But the point of it is, this happened just in our own lifetime, you know, in the 1950s, people are still alive who remember Cardinal Manzani. He died in 75. The point I'm trying to say is we can do the same. This is what the saints are made of. Right. And it, the thing is, it's about trusting God. It's about that littleness and mm -hmm. that humility to, to trust in the Lord no matter the circumstances. Yeah. David goes up against Goliath. Why? I kept my father's sheep and the Lord gave me the strength to kill a bear and a lion. <laughs> you think he's not going to give me the strength to kill us? This man has blasphemed God. Right. I come at him in the name of the Lord. Esther, she fasts and she prays and she goes before the king and he doesn't, hmm. he doesn't kill her. And he listens to her plea and it ends up that the, the man who was trying to get all the Jews killed, he ends up dead. And God fights the battle for his friends and the thing is, it's like, well, you know, do we have any examples of, of wars uh, where people were spared? In World War I, there was oh, yeah. a platoon of British soldiers yes. who started to pray Psalm 95, no, Psalm, excuse me, 91. Is it 91? It's, mm -hmm. the, um, it's, the, it's the prayer for um, exorcism. Yeah. You who dwell in the shelter of the Lord or who abide in the shadow of the Almighty, mm -hmm. say to the Lord my refuge, my rock, and whom I trust. Okay. And every day they prayed this prayer together. And you know, that platoon, hmm. none of those men died. All of those men came back from the war and they were, they were, um, it is 91, Psalm yeah. 91. And in World War II. This is a great story. The Canadian. You have yeah, the Canadian Air Force. Yeah, this you is have great. This, this, a Canadian um, squadron leader, Air Force squadron leader, Royal Canadian Air Force. He taught his men to pray the rosary. <laughs> And he prayed the rosary with them. Yes. And their assignment was to go to England. And from England, they were to fly daily sorties over enemy territory. And this went on for several years. Wow. And after about two years, everybody noticed. And they started asking questions. Why is it that nobody in your squadron dies? And none of your planes have been shot down. What's going on? Well, the man who told the story in the 1950s, mm. who a religious sister, he was a salesman at that time, and he was getting a contract that sisters had bought something and he was just having him sign the contract for it. And, and sisters, uh, he told sister the story. He's not Catholic, still carries the rosary in his pocket, still mm -hmm. prays it every day. And he said, in the midst of battle, the commander's voice could be heard over the loudspeaker. Hail Mary, full of grace. The Lord is with thee. They were praying. Wow. They were praying for God's protection. They weren't asking the Blessed Mother to be a goddess. No. And they weren't worshiping her as a goddess. They understood that God had addressed these words to Mary. And they were God's holy word, the wow. words from Scripture. And they weren't afraid to pray them. Mm -hmm. And it saved their lives. 
You had a battleship in the in the United States. Oh yeah. I believe it was either a battleship or a carrier, and I uh-huh. don't remember exactly. But the, a Catholic chaplain on the ship, and he had asked the captain, "Can I require of every man on this ship that they will make a Eucharistic holy hour every day, wow. regardless of religious affiliation?" Yes. And the captain said yes. So the chaplain made the announcement, and several of the men were like, "What? No way!" And we're going to go talk to the captain. And the captain said, "No, I agree." We're going to be fighting about We're going to need all the help we can get. Yeah, really. Well, the men who didn't want to stay on the ship transferred off. And the men, after a while, there was a waiting list to get on the ship because that ship went through the war combat status without a single casualty. Oh, my God. And the word got around. Nobody dies on that ship. Yeah. But you have to do something to do it. You have to pray every day. Mm-hmm. You have to pray and beg God for protection. Yeah. So they went before the Lord every day. Every man on that ship for one hour begged the Lord for protection and strength. And this is it. Are we willing to get down on our knees? Our lady at Fatima promised. She said there didn't have to be a second world war. That's true. All we have to do, you have to pray the rosary every day. Why the rosary? Because the rosary is the living meditation. It's the living, as it were, it's scripture in living color. It's salvation history. And we are praising the Lord God for the salvation that he has won and wrought about in his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Wow. It's not a prayer about making Mary a goddess or worshiping no. her. It's a prayer about worshiping and honoring God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit for all that he has done for us. That despite the fact that we are sinners and turned away from him and had rejected him, he came and sent his son to live among us and to win for us, to bring back all of creation and recapitulate it himself and bring it back to the Father. That's the rosary. I love it. And remember, it's the rosary is our peace plan from Our Lady of Fatima. And I might add one more thought I do on Terry and Jesse's show that Our Lady said souls are going to hell because no one is there to pray and make sacrifices. We all can participate in the salvation of souls by uniting our sufferings with the sufferings of Christ. Stay with us, family. We'll be right back with Bible with the Barber. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome back, Mary. I wanted to just quote St. Bruno, a statement that basically confirms where you're going with this about trusting God. He said, while the world changes, the cross stands firm. Amen. See, and that's where our trust needs to be in Jesus Christ. That his cross will stand firm, meaning that salvation is through Christ. And the world is going to tempt us to compromise. And we see these stories in the Old Testament, and I think Mary's going to go into the New Testament to show us the same thing, that our trust is in God. That's how we move forward. Right, and we've mentioned quite a few of the heroes of the Old Testament, both men and women, who were faithful to the Lord in the midst of persecution, in the midst of standing against villages, a nation, so now let's look at the New Testament. And who is the first martyr, in, Christian martyr, is Stephen. And what happens there? Stephen was, uh, he's a deacon of the early church. And in chapter, Acts chapter 7, you can read it. And he, he the, there were people who liked to debate Stephen. And none of them could found, were found a match for him. His wisdom was so intense. So eventually he's brought before the Sanhedrin. And Stephen's doing great before the Sanhedrin, you know. And he's, it's like, okay, can't we just be politically correct? Can't we be nice? Can't we be, you know, we don't have to ruffle get any along. feathers. We just get along with everybody, right? 
And at one point, in, 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 I, just, I just love this, Acts 7, 51. Mm-hmm. And Stephen finally, you know, he's had it. He, he talks about the Old Testament. He says, you know, our, um, our fathers had the tent of wilderness, in, chap, in verse 44, our fathers had the tent of witness in the wilderness, even as he who spoke to Moses directed him to make it according to the pattern that he had seen. Our fathers in turn brought it in, brought it in with Joshua when they dispossessed the nations which God thrust out before our fathers. So it was until the days of David who found favor in the sight of the Lord and asked leave to find a habitation for God of Jacob. But it was Solomon who built the house for him. Yet the Most High does not dwell in houses made with hands, as the prophet said. Heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. What sort of house are you to build for me to rest in? Did not my hands make all of these things? And then verse 51, that's when Stephen hits him between the eyes. Mm. You stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ear, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did so Ah. you. Which of the prophets did not your fathers persecute? And they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one, whom you now have betrayed and murdered. You who received the law as delivered by the angels and did not keep it. Now, when they heard these things, they were angry. Now, now they're mad at him. Okay, we're done. Yeah. And then, then, then the heavens open and Stephen sees. He sees the Lord Jesus sitting at the right hand of God. And he says, behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And they cried out in a loud voice and they grab him and they drag him out. And they're stoning him to death. And as they stone him to death, they're piling their coats at the foot of a man named Saul. Mm. Also Paul, by the way. He had two names. Jesus didn't change his name. He was Saul Paul. Saul was his Jewish name. Paul was his Roman name. He was a Roman citizen. And and what does Stephen say? He says, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Yeah. But Stephen is not afraid to witness. He's not afraid to shed his blood. And here's the deal. In the Old Testament, God spared the people. He saved his people. And, and in the New Testament, Jesus Christ comes and he redeems the meaning of human suffering. Mm-hmm. And now... We can be like Jesus in our suffering. In oh, wow. All of our suffering. Christ has come not to eradicate human suffering, but to fill it with his presence. Yeah. And we can be united. And so Stephen is uniting his suffering with Jesus. Into your hands, Lord, I commend my spirit, he says. And he dies, forgiving his enemies. And then Saul. Saul will become, he will become the great spreader of the gospel to the Gentiles. He will withstand Peter to his face. When Peter is makes a pretense about, you know, not eating with the Gentiles, he'd been eating with the Gentiles, and then some people from James's company come, and and so then he breaks away and he won't eat with the Gentiles anymore. And Paul says, "Wait a minute, this is hypocrisy," and he withstands him in publicly. Publicly, he corrects him, and of course you have, you know, when earlier in Acts you had Peter and John who were brought in and told not to teach in the name of Jesus, and then they go back and teach in the name of Jesus, and they've been scourged. <laughs> they could 40 lashes minus one. Yeah. They could only scourge him 39 lashes, but they could scourge him. Yeah. And, but they know who are we? And they say to him, who are we supposed to obey you or God? Are we supposed to obey the Sanhedrin? Or are we supposed to obey God? God has told us what to do. And we know that Jesus Christ is God. And whether you accept him as your Messiah or not, he is our Messiah. Right. He's our Messiah. He came to save us. And we know this. We witnessed his resurrection. <laughs> Witness his resurrection. They're willing to die. They're not afraid to die. They really believe in the resurrection of the dead. Do we believe in the resurrection of the body and the life of the world to come? Amen. 
not just that we will rise from the dead spiritually, but that our bodies will be raised. Do we believe it? Yep. Are we willing to lay down our life for it? I remember a priest that, that Father William Ryan, a Jesuit priest mm-hmm. in San Francisco, and he was very, could be very dramatic. And he gave a sermon once in St. Ignatius Church, which is the church on the campus of, Igna- of uh, Ig- um, San Francisco, the University of San Francisco, the Jesuit College in San Francisco. And they had this big, huge pulpit. And I wasn't there to hear it, but Mr. John Galton did. And he told me, he related the story to me. And um, he gave us uh, the story of James Ogilvie. And James Ogilvie was a Scotsman, and he was a convert to the Christian faith. This was after the Reformation. And he had converted to the Catholic faith. Excuse me, the Catholic faith. He had converted back to the Catholic faith. And he gave his life. He was hanged for being a Catholic. Okay? So what Father Ryan did one Sunday is he got up on the pulpit, and he said, you know, he talked about Ogilvie, and he said then he... He went through every line of the creed, and as he began the sermon, he dropped this hangman's noose over the front of the pulpit. Mm-hmm. And then he went through every line of the creed, and as he went through every line of the creed, he tightened up the hangman's noose. Oh, said, what a graphic. Would you give your life for it? He went through every article yeah. of the creed. Would you give Incredible. your life for it? Oglesby did. Wow. Oglesby did. Oglesby. So he goes through all the articles of the creed, and, and at the end... Mr. Galton said when he got done with that sermon, about half the people in that congregation were ready to take that rope and put it around Father's neck and <laughs> hang him. He's talking to Catholics. Yes. He's, and here's the thing. Are we ready to witness to the belief that Jesus Christ is our Lord, that we have a better homeland, an eternal homeland waiting for us in heaven, that nothing of this world can hold us, that we need to give up everything of this world in order to possess Jesus Christ. And this is the reason why we are and why we exist. And this is what we're called to. And the the apostles witnessed with their lives through the resurrection of the dead, the resurrection of the body, that we will have a resurrected body in heaven. And but are we willing? Are we willing to stand against our time? So what are our action items? How are we in this 21st century going to witness to the world? How are we going to show the world that we still believe that God is God and we are not and that God is in charge, even of his church, even yeah. in the midst of this confusion, God is still in charge of his church. Wow. He hasn't left us. Yep. You know, Mary, while I'm listening to you and I want these action items, I think constantly of redemptive suffering that our church has offered us through Colossians chapter 1. I fill up what is lacking in the sufferings of Christ for the good of the church and how we can participate in the salvific work of Jesus Christ with our own life. In other words, uniting all of these disappointments, joys, our suffering with the cross of Christ to bring salvation to the world. And how do we do that? Through our daily duty? Yes, by by doing my daily duty in my family, which is my wife right now, my kids are grown up, by serving her, I serve God. It doesn't get any easier. So when people say to me, well, what can I do? I always tell them, what is your duty in life? Do that well for God. Right, the duties of your state in life. And it doesn't mean going out and looking for extraordinary works to do. No. And as Monsignor pointed out this morning, mm-hmm. again, we're, we're recording this show on November 1st, which right. is All Saints Day. It will broadcast on Friday, November 4th, which is the first Friday of November, by the way. This right. weekend is the first Friday and Saturday of the month, November right. 4th and 5th. So let's remember to honor the Sacred Heart of Jesus and to, to make the first Fridays and the first Saturdays according to heaven's bidding for us. So we need to pray and do penance. We need to repent of our sins. And this was the characteristic of all these people in the Old Testament. They were faithful to the Lord. They didn't give in to sinfulness. They repented of their sins when they did sin. And they asked God for mercy. They fasted and did penance. And they, they confessed.
continue to do penance and to praise the Lord and worship Him. Yep. Even when others were persecuting them or telling them this is ridiculous, it's not worth it, you know, the, the, the enemy is too strong. No. God is God and we are not. And God is stronger than any enemy. Well said, Mary. And I want to just leave our listeners with what you said, the action items. And it really is important that when we're living in times of fear where the culture is telling us constantly, I'm going to make a couple suggestions. One, turn the news off. Amen. Because what happens, we hear it a lot from our, you watch all this bad news and then you get depressed. Amen. So you know what? This is just one of the action items is take that time that you normally listen to the news and get your Bible out or make a visit or pray a rosary. That would, I think, will be more efficacious for you. Amen. So we need prayer. We need to add prayer to our daily life and serious prayer. Mm -hmm. Serious, serious prayer. We're living in serious times. We're living in very dangerous and evil times yep. when good is being called evil and evil is being called good. True. So we need to pray even harder. Mm -hmm. and, and for Catholics, you have the sacraments. Right. Go to confession. Yes, Jesus Christ established the sacrament of confession, John 20. Whose sins you shall forgive, I will forgive them. Whose sins you shall retain, I will retain. Um, make sure that within your families, that you're praying with your family, you're going to Mass on a frequent and regular basis, at least every Sunday, but hopefully during the week, you find time, depending on the duties of your state and life, again, um, go to Mass according to the duties in your state and life on a daily basis if possible. Receive Jesus in Holy Communion worthily. Examine our conscience. We cannot receive the Lord in the state of mortal sin. And yes, there is a difference between mortal and venial sin. Mm -hmm. Scripture makes that very clear. Look at the letter of John, the first letter of John, and um, where there's this distinction of sin. And so the deadly sins or the not so the not deadly sins. So we do not go to communion in the state of mortal sin. We go to confession first. We confess our sins to the Lord. And yes, our sins, we have to go to confession to confess our mortal sins. We don't have to have our venial sins confessed, forgiven in, in confession, but we can. St. John Paul II encouraged devotional confession. That is the confessing of venial sins. Why? To give us strength against temptation and to help us to live more faithfully and to protect us from falling into mortal sin. So we want to live a sacramental life. We want to say our daily prayers, do the duties of our state in life and do it all. Jesus, for love of you, for the conversion of sinners, and in reparation for the sins committed against the Immaculate Heart of Mary, which are sins against God, because it's not honoring what God has done in, in his mother. Well said, and I always think of Bishop Sheen when he says every action is like a blank check. If Christ's name is on it, it has infinite value. If your name is on it, well, it's what you have. So the bottom line is, let's take every action and live in that presence of God and give it to God. And that's how we will live a holy life, by being faithful to God's commandments and fulfilling our duties in our state and life. Fear is useless. What is needed is trust. That's what the Bible says here on The Bible with the Barbers. What a way to end the show. Don't forget all the shows are podcast on virgin, most powerful radio.org. May God richly bless you and your family.